Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Let's just go to our Father in prayer. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can gather here this beautiful Sunday morning. We're so grateful for the good weather we've enjoyed. But more than that, oh God, your good hand upon us and your goodness and grace that you reach out to us and you've answered our prayers. You are a good, good Father. You're a gracious Father, full of mercy and full of grace. We come, oh God, recognizing your great love in sending Yeshua, Messiah, our Lord, our Savior. We come, O God, to give you praise in his name, and the glory and the honor all be to you, God, our Father, eternal, immortal, invisible. We come, O God, to recognize that you have reached out to us with such manifold blessings. Truly, we are grateful. Forgive us, O God, if in some way or the other we might be ungrateful. Didn't pause to thank you and to think and thank you and to worship you. This morning, Lord, we come with heartfelt needs. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are suffering. There are people, oh God, deep down in their spirit, they need your grace. There's emptiness. And those, oh God, that need an open door, whether it is in the spiritual or in the natural or in the financial, you are a God who makes a way where there is no way. And we come to you, Father, and speak the word that you reach out and touch lives today because you said so and we thank you Lord that we can stretch our faith and touch you today meet every need Lord God according to your riches and glory and touch lives even those precious ones that are watching this morning or whatever the time of the day they watch we give you glory we give you honor bring healing to the spirit soul body and deliverance and people would come to you our father through Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's so good to be here in the house of the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Those especially in the hen house and in, in spite of everything that's happening, you all are faithful and we want to give thanks to you. And for those that are watching, welcome once again. I don't know what time of the day that you're watching, but... Uh, just so glad that you could tune in into our worship, into this time of service. And welcome once again. And if you could share this or invite your friends and loved ones for this great time of worship and praise. We've been doing about the five senses, and particularly we've covered something to do with uh, the first aspect to do with seeing in the spirit. And then we did something to do with uh, hearing in the spirit. When I talk about uh, hearing and there are five senses and we are so blessed that God has given to most of us a sense in which we can see physically, hear physically, to be able to touch physically and to smell physically and to be able to taste uh, physically. But every one of us have, has a three set of uh, senses. Uh, we talk about the physical we, of course, talk about the solical, but that is so much not mentioned 
But this is an area where there's basically the psychic, where literally where we need to realize where the intelligence and will and uh, conscience and particularly to do with emotions, they're all in that. And if we have to do well in life, this is what Proverbs talks about, that we would be able to exercise the, uh, the windows and the eyes and ears and all the knowing within the soul. But I'm not so much talking about the summa, the body, nor about the psyche, the soul. As a pastor, I'm more basically inclined to having all of that is important, none is uh, greater than the other, but I think if you were to look at it, the spiritual, the moment you're born again, your spirit is quickened, and you're able to see in the spirit, you'll be able to uh, hear in the spirit, you'll be able to touch in the spirit, you'll be able to smell in the spirit, you will also be able to taste in the spiritual. We'll be doing about the smelling because that's a very important component that you find in the Old Testament, the aroma and the fragrance. But when you look at it from the Old Testament and the New Testament, almost everything that you find that would be physically or solical actually translate into spiritual. In fact, the Old Testament, everything began in the natural. So they talk about their wealth and that would add to their spirituality. At least some people in the Old Testament thought so. And you'd find Abraham and Job and others very wealthy. But I want you to understand that the New Testament is totally different. It begins in the spirit and then from there to the soul and then into the outer part. So really our uh, spirituality is not measured by what you have. It's measured by how rich you are towards God. That being said, the Bible tells us he blesses us with all spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 in our spirit, to our soul, to our body, and then ultimately outside. So I do believe in pros prosperity in the truest sense. It begins in the spirit soul, and then it goes out and moves out to the other, other aspects of our life. But I want to talk about what would be how important it is to understand the three component of our personality. In fact, uh, we are so marvelously made, wonderfully made. If you read Psalm 139 and verse 14, the psalmist, in fact, the entire chapter talks about it, but he says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous, saw your works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Fearfully and wonderfully made. He has made us. He had wired us intrinsically. He has wired us so, uh, wired us in such a magnificent way. And think about our personality. It is so marvelous that God has put together and He has framed us together, and we have to be grateful. So, what we usually look at is the natural outer body. But I want you to understand. When you turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, God formed us in his image. And so in the image he created male and female he made. So we find that is very different from all the other creations. In fact, man and woman are the first in, uh, made in the image of God. And you need to understand that is awesome. So uh, we love our little Fido doggy, our favorite cat, or whatever animals you have or birds, but nothing like man, because he's created in the image of God. We're not talking about color, we're not talking about skin, but in that tripart being. In fact, uh, when you go into uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, chapter 2 and verse 7, 
He tells us he breathed into man. This is basically the clay that would ultimately become man, the physical man. He breathed into the man, and man became a living soul. There was the clay, there was uh, the, the breath of God, is the spirit of God, and then thirdly, he becomes a soul. So you have the tripartite being of the spirit, soul, and body, and man becomes that total personality. So there is, of course, uh, in, the, uh, in the Garden of Eden, man had a fellowship with God, and God walked down in the cool of the day, and he fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. So he spoke to them in the spirit. They heard him, even though they were a component of three, uh, but what a marvelous way in which God had wired them. After the fall, this basically sin destroyed that spirit, destroyed basically, it's just uh, that, uh, that antenna just got uh, knocked down. But after what Jesus Christ did, the screen was opened and you find that there's a regeneration of the spirit. But I want you to realize, in the New Testament, Paul talks about this uh, wholeness. And he talks about this in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. In fact, he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, wholesome. And I pray that your whole, number one spirit, your soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So until the Lord comes, while we anxiously and wait for him, the Bible says that uh, we would be preserved wholly. And in this wholeness, it begins with the spirit and then in the soul and then in the in the body. So these are the compartments. So I want you to understand not in the level of body and soul or in the level of soul and body and then the spirit. The spirit is the number one. So even in the Old Testament physically when the temple got destroyed and other things were destroyed, the outer man, which would basically the, uh, the walls of uh, Jerusalem were broken, you find Nehemiah and Ezra and all of these great men coming to repair. But the first thing that needed to be repaired was the temple. That was the spirit. And then other things apart, and they had the organizing skill and all of that to do with the soul, but ultimately the walls were repaired. If the first thing we need is basically we want, of course, healing and we want uh, to be intelligent, all of that is good, but the most important thing, and I want you to understand, the Lord Jesus Christ came to regenerate us or to let the Spirit be alive, and we are born again in the Spirit. He that is born of the flesh is flesh, and he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so to be born again is to become alive, and the candle of the Lord in the Spirit is lit. And now we have entered into what would be uh, what was from the very pristine glory that was in the Garden of Eden, we move unto this spirit, soul, and body. So it's very important we understand that. So here it is uh, in that compartment that you find spirit, and then you find the soul, and then you find the body. So in other words, the Theology would talk at the summa, the board. Uh, it would talk about the numa, that is the spirit, and then of course you have the psychic, the soul, and then you have the summa, the body, in the Greek thought. But what I want you to understand when we talk about this, the personality of man, what I want you to realize is there is the 
five senses that you find in the spirit. That's what Paul says, that the eyes of your understanding be opened. He's not talking about your physical eyes. Of course, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. But he's talking deep down into your heart. You know that you know that your eyes, and that is the spiritual eyes of the spirit of the heart, would be open, that your ears would be open. And you'd be able to taste and touch and feel. All of this is to do with the spiritual level. What is important is... uh, In the Old Testament, the temple was everything. So you have a whole details uh, prescribed in the book of Exodus. A large number of chapters, much later after giving the history of uh, Moses and the deliverance, then you come across what would be chapters and chapters and chapters of the construction of the temple. That was very important. Uh, Don't make light of it. It was very important and everything according to the pattern everything according to the pattern. So Moses basically did everything that was relayed to him by God, and the pattern that he showed, everything was accordingly, and everything was done accordingly. It is marvelous. So you do have so much of studies to do with the temple, and all of them, whether you're talking about the tapestry, the color, whether you're talking about the promegranate, whether you're talking about the different aspect of the temple, they ultimately relate to and point to in every detail to the Lord Jesus. And I'm not talking about this today. And then again, you have the priest and very important study and every aspect of his garment and every function of this man is basically ultimately points to the chief priest and this is basically not at the order of what would be Levites or the Aaronic priesthood but even greater than the Melchizedek that is the chief priest our Lord Jesus Christ. But when you come into these studies you're going to find the Old Testament every aspect of this basically is fulfilled in the Lord and you find the New Testament totally marvelously wonderful. So of course Without taking away the fact the Old Testament, the temple was very important. The temple, in fact, stood right bank in the center of the tribes that basically uh, was around in that way. And uh, the great temple was right in the, in the middle. The temple, as we know it in the tabernacle, were three. And that was carried over uh, by uh, from Moses all the way to David. He had just a simpler Uh, more like a New Testament, but it was carried over ultimately to the Solomon's temple, and you do have that three. So you do have number one, that is the inner, the most uh, high or holiest of holiest, and then you have what would be the holy place, and then you have the outer, which is the outer court. So you first come into the outer court, and only the priest would be allowed into the inner place and then ultimately the innermost, the most holy sanctuarium, it was so holy, just one time the chief priest or the high priest would enter on Yom Kippur or basically the Day of Atonement. Now, why am I saying all this? Because in the New Testament, we find that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So we're not looking into the 
all of the effects of the building and the priest and the garments and the whole nine yards. It's important, but they have had its role and then it has been fulfilled. So we don't need to go back and uh, copy out those things. Uh, but when you go into the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. Now, when you look at the temple, we're not looking at a temple made with stones. When you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, listen carefully to what Paul is saying. No, you're not. I mean, you should not be ignorant about this. This is something that Christians need to know. Know you not that you are the temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Just a moment. The Spirit of God, the Shekinah glory of God, dwelt in the innermost sanctorium. That is the most holy place. So you mean to tell me the Holy Spirit dwells in fact, in the wilderness, during the time the tabernacles were in the, in the shoulders of the uh, Korah and the priest, you must understand the glory of God was right in the center. It was right in the box called the ark, and there was the mercy seat, the presence of God was there. You're going to say God who cannot contain, the whole heaven and earth cannot contain God, and yet he resides in that little box, now, Old Testament people will say, of course, we believe that, but they have a hard time to understand the very presence that was in the Old Testament is in your body. If he can dwell in a little box, he certainly, and yet the heaven and the earth cannot contain him. And all the constellation, all the Milky Way is far beyond we can ever fathom. There's far greater humongous planets and planetary systems and Milky Ways far beyond our discovery. And yet all of this put together and multiplied into billions of time and yet cannot contain God. So yet he chooses in a marvelous way to dwell in our heart, even though he is in control of every aspect and he is God omnipotent, God omnipresent, and God omniscient. Now, that being said, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, know you not that uh, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwelt in the innermost sanctuary called the most holy place. So obviously, the Spirit of God is right in the center and only the high priest had the opportunity to go there once a year. That was like the biggest deal in the priest's life, for that is what he waited for, prepared for, every day until the Day of Atonement. And he went there, the people stood. In fact, he even had a bell, just in case something happens, he struck dead, and if they didn't hear his movement, they had to pull him out, that's dead body. So it was taken with such importance, and it was looked forward to with great trepidation and joy. And what I want you to understand, fearfully and wonderfully made, that is talking about our body. But if you were to compare the Old Testament, like the Old Testament had the inner court, the outer court, and the uh, inner court, uh, the, in, the, the most holy place, the temple of this, the body has that. So let me just say, it is what would be the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now let me put it this way, in the spirit, deep down, and that is what's so important that I'm talking about, is literally, or what you call in the biblical sense, where the Shekinah glory or the presence or the spirit of God dwells. That is the, ult uh, the utmost, that is the most important. 
And that is the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit, and that you must keep in mind. That is the most holy place. Then you have the inner coat, uh, the holy place, that is the soul part, and that is important. So let me just say this. The inner part is where the Spirit of God, everything to do with spirituality, everything to do with the Spirit of God speaking to the inner man. The soul is the area, and many a times, to our own detriment, we do not, in most churches, talk about it. Because the world should, and inspiration and speakers like that should be talking about it. But not to take it away, it's important because that is the seat of intelligence, the mind, that is the seat of emotion, that is the seat of uh, things that are so important that we need to realize the intelligence, the mind, the emotions, and everything put together uh, are very important. That is the area in which we are able to grow in terms of jobs, in terms of doing well. They become, a, uh, we are blessed by this. So. It speaks about intelligence. It speaks about everything to do with wisdom and to do with the, a very important component called the willpower. If that is not there, no matter how much we would, would want to be, but we will struggle because we need to have that intelligence. We need to have everything connected with the mind, things to do with the willpower and also the emotion. A lot of Christians go haywire on that. I think we need to bring that back. But all this to say, as a pastor, I stress this. All of them are important. The spirit, because that is where we need to realize that uh, we need to recognize. So many times people misunderstand where and how and in, in the midst of all of this without knowing. And that's why Paul is saying, no, you not. Many a times they tend to feel in the solical realm and the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit doesn't go through that. It's the spirit and then speaks to the soul. Sometimes in the physical. So many a times people get emotional and talk out of their physical or talk out their intelligence, their willpower, imagination, fragmentations. The, will, uh, the soul is important. That is the area perception takes place. That's the area where intuition takes place. Those are very important. But... Without the Holy Spirit and without the Spirit being revived, you basically do everything from the outer man, the penance, the hitting your head down, and the way you uh, kneel to prayer, the way you stand east, west, forward, the clothes you wear, the bathing, every aspect of different aspect of the physical, ritual, religious. And then there's the soul part when you think there's all to do with the soul and worship to the soul of the soul. But real worship and God speaking and intimacy is in the holy place. Remember, the high priest only went one time, but when Jesus died, you know, the moment he said, it is finished, and right at that point, the temple curtain were cut in twain, and all unbelievable, you could enter into the holiest of holiest. It is very important. Before that, in the tabernacle, even if for some reason you were to touch the tabernacle or see what was inside, you would die. A whole village died when, this, uh, when the ark was taken away captive. In fact, uh, they had pestilence there. They were so frightened. And then again, uh, you could be struck dead if you basically flippantly touch the things. But in the New Testament... Only those who are born again, those whose spirit has been revived or regenerated, the great joy and the privilege to have our spirit revived and to be able to enjoy the fellowship of God. There's something in connection with what I'm going to say 
Uh, I will talk about the temple just for this because then we'll go back. My uh, subject today was is touch, uh, touching in the spirit. I did what would be hearing and speaking. I never got to finish that. In fact, just um, barely made it for the eight uh, morning service. So I don't think I would be able to finish that today, but God willing, next Sunday. But the reason I'm talking about the temple is there is something we need to realize. There are articles in the outer court and the laver and all of that uh, uh, and the brazen altar. This is very important in the outer court. But when you come in, in the court, in a court, there is three articles that are important as well. This is the candlelight or the menorum. And then you have the altar of incense. And then also you have the table of showbread. This is where the priest would go in and put uh, fresh bread every day and light the menorah every morning and noon, uh, evening, like prayers that is being offered. Now, what is important is when people go into the outer court, there's the sunlight. And when you're in the outer court, you'd look at a person. And of course, you can see whether... He has hair, doesn't have hair, whether he's black, white, or, uh, or uh, brown. You look at whether he's clothed or whether he's wearing fancy clothes or whether he's a poor person. You make a judgment call on what you see in the outward, the sunshine, the light. And what you see is in the five senses. So you smell, you touch, you hear, and you see everything to do in the natural. So on the outer court is the natural. But when the priests go in to light the menorah or the candlelight, or when they go to bring the fresh bread in the show, uh, on the table of showbread, uh, they basically also light the incense. But what happens at that point is there is darkness, but what happens at this point, the light is lit. And this light is the menorah or the candlelight. So they are able to do what they're able to do with the light, the soul, the light is the, the light of God that in, and basically gives us understanding of the soul. And we basically are able to do things because of the light. Even though it's not the sunlight, you do have what would be the menorum light or the candlestick light. And uh, all of that is important because they have to change the bread. They have to light the menorum. They have to basically do the incense, uh, altar of incense. When you come inside the most holy place, there's no light. There's no light. You do not have the sunshine. You do not have the candlelight. The high priest has to go one time, one year, and it's not what he sees in the sunlight. It's not the physical part. It is not the solical part. At this point, it is blind faith as he has to do it, and the only thing he has is the incense box that he took from the inner sanctorium. And when he is in the most holy place, he has to make his way, he has to put blood upon the altar that is on, uh, on, on the mercy seat on the altar. Very important. That is where the glory, the presence of God is. And I want you to realize he cannot look at the presence of God, he would die. So the smoke and all of that keeps him from looking at the Shekinah glory. If he ever sees the face of God or the glory of God, he would die. Why am I saying this? 
because when you're in the outer court, you worship. You are very strict. Which way you turn to, how much you bend, how much you kneel, how much holy water you throw, how much oil you want on your head. Everything is ritualistic and religious. How you hit your head on the floor and the more religious you are when you have marks to say I'm religious, outer court. When you come into the inner court, it is basically a deep conscious of what the soul is and an intuition, intelligent, and all of that sense in which you have that uh, eye of the soul, the ear of the soul, these are important. And there's a part of that emotion, this is very important. But when you go into the innermost, that is the most holy place, you have to depend on your spirit. In other words, you are there by faith. When I'm talking about the most holy place or the innermost sanctorium, this is the place where the Spirit of God, the Shekinah glory, is guiding you. It is not the voice of your soul. It is not the voice of your intellect. It is not the voice of man or even the rituals of man. You are in the very presence of the Almighty God. So now you're looking at the innermost. And this is important. And there is something that will guide us because many a people get deluded into not knowing the truth. They do not know how to discern the good from the bad and the light from darkness. In fact, many a people, even in the Pentecostal charismatic movement, are taken for a ride. A woman says, you, if, I, if you want to have an experience with God, if you want to have a prayer, just send me $1,500, I will teach you, excuse me? And do you know how many people are deluded into thinking they are blessed by giving that amount of money? You have been sunk hook, like and sinker because you do not know how to discern good from bad. Nor have you exercised your senses. So when you go into the outer court, when you're in the natural man, you have to exercise your eyes, your ears, what you feel, what you touch. They have to be exercised. The use of your hand and the touching, the smelling. In fact, you are perfect in your of smell, you become a connoisseur. You know exactly what is the perfect coffee or the perfect wine or the, or the, or the smell of the, of the uh, connoisseur art, whether it is cake or whether whatever it is. You have basically uh, made uh, an exercise of that senses or exercise. But in the mind, you exercise it so you know and position yourself. This is where I'm going to be in the company. This is how I'm going to uh, go rise up. And when you concentrate, what do you concentrate? When you exercise it, you will achieve it. And so many a time, people that are in the be well and be rich, they exercise in the soul part. And again, students, you all need to do that and exercise the part of that which is intellect and willpower and, uh, and, and to do with uh, the mind and to do with basically emotion. And this is uh, very important, but nothing compared to the spiritual. When you come into the spiritual realm, into the most holy place, you must exercise the spiritual. In other words, you must know the word and 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the word is able to discern, it's a dishonor of thoughts and intents, is able to distinguish what is of the soul and what is of the spirit and what is of the body. So many a times we lump the whole thing and said, my goodness, he screamed and he shouted and he just ran from one chandelier to the spirit of God is moving. Did you hear? They made a loud, loud noise and my goodness, I was shaken. Outer man. Oh, I was moved in the soul. Yes, it's soul, man. They're important. The Old Testament started from the outer to, and then made their way inside. In the New Testament, you start from the inside and then your soul rejoices and then my soul, my soul, why are you sad? Rejoice in the Lord, your spirit is saying. And the soul tells the body, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God. And so there is the emotion, there is of course the outer manifestation, but it didn't bring, come from outside, it came from inside. And the word of God, let me read this, tells us, for the word of God is quick, that is uh, quick meaning live, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive, it's even today, piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, so you know. So you flip on a Christian television, and they are telling you one scripture, and then brings it to how much you're going to be blessed if you, get, if you give them a money. Right off the bat, you need to discern that man or this woman wants to get money out of the gospel. He should have been a businessman, she should have been a businessman, she should have not used the word of God and the spiritual things of God to make money. That is basically what one man did, wanting, lay your hands upon me that I too will be able to have this power. And Peter said, you will be destroyed with this greed that you have. There's a lot of people making money out of this, it's a greed. But I want to realize you have to exercise the senses uh, in the natural, that is physically, you have to exercise in the soul part, but oh my goodness, you have to exercise in the spiritual. Pastor, I don't believe anything that you say. Give me a passage for that. Good, you asked. If you turn to, if you, uh, if you turn to Hebrews chapter five and verse 14, let me read it. It tells us, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. So in the natural, you don't give a child meat. Don't give him big heavy stuff. Give him baby food. He's a baby. But if you're strong, it is strong meat. So if you're spiritual, you have strong meat. You're able to discern. No, pastor, please tell me again, born again, and just walk down the aisles. I love that. I love the old way of preaching. Give me just John 3.16, Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Is there no other passage from John chapter 3 and verse 16? Pastor, I love that passage. Let's go deep. And that's what Hebrews chapter 6 tells us. Leaving the things, the essentials and the fundamentals and the foundation, let's move on. And so it's important we understand Strong meaning belongs to them that are mature, are strong, or full of age, even those by reason have their senses exercised. Are you exercising your physical, exercising your solical, and exercising your spirit to discern both good and evil? You see, you can go 
to get a car and they're going to give you a lemon, but you know, you call it umption, you call it intuition, you say, that guy is taking me for a ride. How do you know? You know it. You know that you know. And there is a spirit part, just not simply from your intuition. It comes from your spirit. And you must be able to exercise and discern in the spirit as well. This is very important. How then do I discern and how do I grow? It is simply the word of God. Nothing is shortcut. You need to labor. You need to work as a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. You need to delve into the word. You need to memorize the word. You need to get to know the word. And then you have to pray. And prayer is something not one way, it is two way. When you speak to God, take time to praise Him, take time to worship Him, take time now to listen to Him and listen to what the Spirit says in your spirit. And then again, you need to gather together, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves and to be able to have your uh, spiritual sense exercised. And these are all godly ways and I'll talk about this another day. Now, I want you to realize very importantly, I talked about seeing, hearing, and then we'll be talking about touching, smelling, and then about tasting. Uh, we'll do that, we covered two. But just so that about seeing, I want you to understand this very importantly. When you look at the sight, and I'm talking about the spiritual, you know, you do know your doctors will tell you about the spiritual sight, spiritual hearing, and so uh, natural hearing, but I'm talking about the spiritual, not even talking about the soul. A lot of the inspiration speakers speak in the soulical realm, and a lot of books, uh, plenty, plethora of those books, how you can be number one, how you can be successful. My friend, if you're not born again with all the money you have, with all the reputation you have, with the highest uh, position, what good is it? After that, what happens? This is where spiritual, that is the temple of God, that is the inter, innermost sanctorium, that is where God speaks to you. And when you go to the Lord, you know him before even seeing the one that sits upon the throne because you have loved him, known him, because Jesus, our Lord, opened the door and the Spirit of God, the promise of the Father, speaks the words of our Lord talking about the Father so much that even the Spirit of God helps you. You call him, yes, he is omnipotent, yes, he is omniscient, but we call him Abba Father, our Father which art in heaven. One important thing I want you to understand is we are trial local location people. Oh, excuse me, that's a big word. Okay, I'll just explain. Let's just talk about the bilocation. So when you are in on earth, you are on earth. Your feet is on the terra ferra of this earth. You are on the ground. And yet, what a remarkable way the Holy Spirit takes you up in your spirit. And your location, though you are in the flesh, you are in the spirit in heaven. As you say, our Father which art in heaven. And that is the epicenter of the whole universe, the very throne room of God. That is what happened to John, the beloved. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 10 says, he was in the island of Patmos, banished. And then he says, and suddenly he goes on to say, in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. The next verse tells you, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, 
And I heard behind me a great voice and a trumpet. And in chapter 4 and verse 2, says, come up, and he's taken into the third heaven. But his body is on earth. It's in a location called Patmos Island. But he, in the spirit, is in heaven. Excuse me, how could that be? That is the marvel of what is knowing in the spirit and moving in the spirit. Uh, when you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, Paul is saying to be seated. He's talking about the earthly things and everything, but now he takes you and says to be, God has raised us up together to make us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I'm sitting in the dumps. I'm sitting in the backside of the desert. I'm sitting in a lonely wilderness. That's exactly in those places. God reached out to great men like Moses or Abraham or Isaac or even um, uh, Paul, all in the dumps. And yet God told Moses, take off your shoes. That is the place we have been walking the last 40 years. You can see all of the things that the lambs and the sheep and all have done. But right now, take off your place. Shoes, not because of this terra ferra, not because of the ground or the land, but suddenly you are in heaven and yet you are on earth. It is holy ground. Suddenly you say, oh my goodness. He heard the voice of God, Moses. Suddenly Samuel in his bedroom was heard and he now ascertains and he says, I'm here. And then he suddenly was in the transport, so to speak. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, let's read it again. He has raised us up together to make us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're sitting there before your boss. He's a big shot. No disrespect to him, but in that moment when you're saying, God help me, you are transported, so to speak, in your spirit while you're talking physically, hearing physically, your boss is angry, and while he's, you're receiving all that, and, and you say, God help me, and you are also seated in heavenly places, in heavenly places, with Christ. In Christ, your location is in Christ. Yeah, our address is in Queens, New York, uh, for those who are coming from Brooklyn or Long Island, but our position is unchanging. We keep changing addresses here on earth but our position in Christ in heavenly places. Where Christ is, we are. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a clap offering. That being said, there is what would be the gates. There are many gates, whether it be in the physical, the gates of the eye, the gates of the ears. It's almost you could be destroyed when the enemy shows you something. You hear something. Many a children got these things in their ears, and literally half a generation have been taken out by the Pied Piper, hearing the nonsense, the filth, the, the depravity, and, and these people who make millions of dollars are making by feeding them with garbage, making them hear garbage, making them see garbage, and they make money laughing all the way to bank while destroying people, your children. So these are gates that are important. The eye gates, the ear gates, the nose gates, the mouth gates, all of these are important. But then in the spiritual level, there are gates. That is the spiritual eyes, the spiritual ears, the spiritual touch, the spiritual taste, the spiritual, uh, all of this is very important. Let's just
talk about the gates called the gates of the eyes. You know, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, he was in the temple, its uh, location. That is where uh, Isaiah was all the time when he comes to the temple. But that day, in the most difficult moment of his time, when his uncle, the good King Uzziah, died, he came so depressed. This was nightmare, the worst day of his life. Call about death, in the midst of that, suddenly his eyes was open. He peed in this temple. Many a times we come here, we look at the pastor, we look at the choir, we look at the guitar, we look all around. The, why, why is she wearing golden hair? That's none of your business. She likes it. So we are critic in the church. But this man came in and voila, boom. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, the highest level of vision. I'm not bothered about the gold and the crystal and things of the event. Those are penny for the hold. It's worthless because that's all it is there. You name it, it's there. So if you're going to kill for diamond and gold and Casper, when you go to heaven, I don't know who you're going to kill. It's just free. It's what you walk on. But I tell you, the highest level of revelation, this man in the temple, suddenly it's a bilocation. He is in his bodily in the temple in Jerusalem. And right at the bat, like Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2, here is John seeing the one in the spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one that sat on the throne. That is the highest revelation. And here is Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. I saw the Lord and his praise fills. Oh yeah, there were praise going on in the temple. But in the praise, he was transported to the highest level and high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. And then he heard the angels cry in verse 2, Holy holy, holy is the Lord. Seeing but transported from the temple, hearing and yet transported from the temple into heaven. What unbelievable sense. That is what we find. But what Paul writes in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, 18, listen, he's talking about what we see and what we do not see. But where do we need to concentrate? Let me read this. It says here, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, the things which are not seen are eternal. People are grabbing for what they can see It'll perish one day. No matter how much loads and loads of whatever goodies you have, it's going to perish with you. But there is something that you don't see. Oh, you know what? We can see the whole heavens with, with the best telescope. But I ask you, how are these which you see held up by nothing? Excuse me? Something has to hold it up. Nothing. That is what you don't see. That is what holds the world. It is the world, not a fact, but greater than that, the word of faith. Can you say amen? Glory to God. 
So when you go into this seeing, the gate of seeing, it's amazing. And then look at the gate of hearing. That is incredible. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 3, God is saying, incline your ears unto me and hear. Incline your ear and hear what I'm going to say. And God goes on to say in many places where you will be blessed. Now look at what he says when you go into Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. I did the whole passage in about several times. It says, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit, you know, we know Shakespeare, who's wrote in that speech by Mark Anthony, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. We're not talking about this year. We're talking, he that has ears, spiritual ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. If that is the case, you have to be in the spiritual temple. You got to, well, you are in Jamaica, Queens, you're moving into, and that is what you're hearing right now in the spirit realm, the spirit of God speaking to you. And this is very important. So again, this is important when you look at the second or the third one, which is called the touch. You know, when you look at Matthew chapter, eight, uh, chapter 9 and verse 28 and 29, the Lord Jesus Christ he came and he said, uh, I need healing, this man. And so in verse 29, what does the Lord do? He touched their eyes saying, so it be. There was a touch in their eyes. And today he's touching in the spirit. What is so amazing, some people need a point of contact, whether it's an handkerchief, whether it is someone literally. But then in the pandemic, we realized, I can still believe. God can send the word and still heal the sick. God doesn't have to have one formula. That is one. But then God can do it. I receive it, Lord. Amen. You know, the great man of faith, he wasn't even a Jewish person. He was a centurion. He said, speak the word, and my servant at that side would be healed. And self-same moment, the young man was healed. Now look at the gates of touch. Here is what John the Apostle, beloved, says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. I like to, you to read this the way he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have touched or handled of the word of life. Paul says, as forth I know not, Christ after the flesh, but after the Spirit, Paul wrote some theses with regard to communion and other things. And he said, this is not the mind of man. There were times he spoke, he said, this is what I think. But then he said, this is what God says. He was in the epic center of the throne room when the Spirit of God spoke to him. He said, this is what the Lord gave me. This is what I'm giving to you. How that the Lord Jesus Christ, the, light, the night in which he spread verbatim, verbatim, like he was there. He wasn't there. He was an apostle born uh, long after, but in due time. But he was like the Spirit of God took him. And fast forward that he was in the past while he was in the present and he's speaking of the future. God in one step is in the past, present, and future. So that is the amazing thing about God. And then we are pressured by time. But there wasn't a time when it all started. Before it began, God was there in the beginning and way before the beginning. 
And way before the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then we find time will be merged with eternity. Forget the calendar. Forget the trillions of years. It is, goes forever. So in this time that you have on earth, you say 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, my friend, after that is ended, where would you spend eternity? I didn't say time. You're not going to 15 years in prison. I'm telling you, where will you spend eternity? It would be just about the worst thing like this man, rich man. If you could send Lazarus just to put water. Or if you could send him to my brothers, I have five of them. And Abraham said, son, if they didn't listen to one that is born out of the dead, what is it going to do? Come out of the dead. What I want you to realize is, incredibly, this is what John is saying, which we have handled of the word of life. John, in the flesh, was the closest to the Lord Jesus. In fact, he was the one that leaned on Jesus' chest, so close. And yet in Revelation chapter 1, when he saw Jesus in all his glory in the spirit, he saw the word, he fell like there was no ghost in him, there was no breath in him, and he had to be revived. That was how shocked he was. Because it's not about a child born in a manger or Jesus of Nazareth walking the shores of Galilee. It is Jesus. The power of all that God has before even the pre-incarnate one. Now let me say, when it comes to smell, I will be doing about it. You say, oh, you're talking about, no, no, there's a lot in the Old Testament to do with fragrance, about smell. In fact, there were concussions in the Old Testament that no one was to copy. That would be the incense in the temple, and it was forbidden to copy that. It was uniquely temple. You and I all have experiences with seeing. If you see a dog, maybe you didn't like a dog, you were bitten, you would run away, or you'll cry. I love dogs. Two different reactions. For some, when they see flowers, they are saying, oh my God, so beautiful, so beautiful flowers. Look at the beautiful color. For somebody who says, don't bring it to me, I'm reminded of these flowers at the funeral of my mother. Unicolin is great, but every time I smell Unicolin, back when I was a kid in India, that's what they used to throw on dead people, Unicolin. And the moment a woman wears Unicolin, <gasps> death. For others, it is really perfume. It's a matter of culture. It's a matter of your um, experience. But in spiritual, I wanted to know, it is far greater. So when you look at the smell, Songs of Solomon talks about it, the natural in 1 and verse 3. Look at the perfume. Look at the fragrance. Look at the savour. Songs of Solomon 1, 3 talks about it, the savour of what would be good ointments. Thy name is good ointment. But when you go into the New Testament, look at what Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 and verse 15. Let's just look at verse 14. He talks of the fragrance that is of Christ. And that is what he talks about, that you can sense the presence and the, and the fragrance of the Lord. We, now thanks be to God, which has caused us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savour, the fragrance of 
his knowledge by us in every place. So the knowledge has a fragrance. And then in verse 15, he goes on to say, for we are unto God a sweet perfume, a sweet fragrance. God says in Christ, in them that are saved and in that parish, God smells the sweet smelling savour because of Jesus Christ. God looks at us, wretched, miserable, but he sees the blood of Jesus Christ, not pleading like Abel's blood for vengeance, forgiveness. That is an amazing aspect. So let me just say this. There's a thing of taste, and you know there's a lot of taste in the Old Testament as well. Next Sunday we'll be doing this with communion. We would be seeing something tangible. We'd be smelling something tangible. We'll be tasting something tangible. We'll be touching something tangible. And yet it goes into our soul from the physical, I'll be talking about it, and goes into, I remember, Jesus Christ. Our mind takes us into scripture says how he died for me. And then the day we knelt at the cross and accepted Jesus is the thinking cap of memory. And then right away we have the revelation. So it is the the past, present, and the future. It is the spirit, soul, and body all functioning together. Ultimately, it brings us to that spiritual significance. So, if you want to talk about taste, there's such awesome taste in um, Psalm 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts. When you taste of the Lord, you are able to taste Trust the Lord. The more you taste, the more you trust. Can I just give you an example? I'll talk about it when it comes to tasting. There were passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament where you find the prophet being asked to eat. Now, that is not physical or solical. They could be. In many respects, you like to eat the whole dictionary so you would have a better dictionary. It's not possible. If only you could eat the whole Bible and have it, but what it says is digesting. But here they were literally told to eat. And then John was asked to eat as well. To one it uh, was not bitter, it was bitter taste. To other it was like a honeycomb, sweeter than the honey. So it's a matter of wonderful taste and see. And I hope you have tasted of his word. I hope you love that honey that comes out and say, I love the Lord. And when you read Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter. It is to do with the word. It is to do with the word. It is to do with the word. And that is something incredible. Let me just for the next couple of moments go into something very important. You know, when there's a danger in religiosity and ritualism, and it can happen even in a Pentecostal spiritual churches, a lot of ritualism. Many a times we tend to feel, Pastor, you got to scream, you got to make a big jump and noise, then only will he hear you. You're living in the Old Testament time. We got to see the colors. You got to basically wear something that we would respect you. Maybe like the Pope, maybe, or maybe like the Archbishop. Why do you need to do that? There is the garment of basically priest on you that you don't see, but in the spirit you can see. But I want you to realize, many a times we want to see the color, hear it and scream, shout, and then we are moved. You must be moved in your spirit. I don't have to jump from here to here to make you listen. I am at best simply a servant, 
a mailman for the Lord. I want you to listen to the word. That is the most important. So it's not so much of the flesh and moving out there. It's simply that you need to know that is the word of God. Now, I want you to realize something very important. You could live in the Old Testament and still try to function in the New Testament. And many people try that. It's uh, very difficult. The Old Testament doesn't matter even if you know the word, even though you know them by heart. The Pharisees, they were people who saved Hebrews and saved the scriptures, and yet they came to a class all to their own, proud, pharisaical. And I'm not talking about the Old Testament, I'm talking about the New Testament people today. You could become religious and you can become pharisaical. Now realize this, the Lord Jesus Christ had some harsh criticism in Matthew chapter 23, not to the sin-sick Lord, not to the publicans, not even to that woman caught in adultery. It was to the Pharisees who want to literally be in the place of God and stone a person to death. It's one thing to say God is gracious and then chop his head in the next moment. Oh, God is gracious and then rape her because God has given me to rape her. How foolish that is. But here is the heart of Christ. He brings us the, the heart of the Father and opens the word, not simply a book, but reveals it through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this. The Lord Jesus Christ had to speak of the Pharisees, and this is what he does. He quotes Isaiah the prophet, and he says, look at this. Look at what they do. And what exactly is he quoting? He says, they will hear, hear, but they will not fully understand, so they would follow me. Oh, they love that hearing. They see, see, but they will not see the truth. How could you do that? It is strange. We live in a world in which people listen to all sorts of garbage, all sorts of fantasy thrown out, and they are overawed. And when somebody is preaching the truth and talking about the kingdom and talking about eternity, <laughs> gone to sleep. What happened here? You know, Pastor, you know, it's too long. You just sat last night for three hours watching a dumb movie. You didn't complain. You complained when there was an interval showing a little slide. You say, get on, get on, I want to watch the thing. You should have the same enthusiasm for the word of God. The flesh is willing. I'm sorry, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. Get the spirit to open doors. Now, listen, Matthew chapter... 13 and verse 14, Jesus is quoting Isaiah. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, and maybe to so many in the modern world today, Christians, by hearing you shall hear, and you shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. What a sad situation. So much so, what he says is an indication of what takes place in many churches. Many churches are nothing but a theater performance. It's not dispensing the word of life, just a beautiful performance. So it's how much people dress up flashy and it looks like a Hollywood. But my friend, the entire thing is we use all of the equipments available to bring the word and to bring the worship, centering it at the throne of God. 
And this is the ultimate end. But look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, and look what he says in this verse 8. It is tragic. He says, the people draws near unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips. Mouth and lips, but their heart, that's what God looks at. Their heart is far from me. Excuse me, don't you see them mouthing this and crying out and doing? It's all mouth and lips, but I am wanting from the heart. And it is through then, and it is through today. In fact, what the Lord Jesus does is he turns around to the disciples who've been hearing the words. Like he would turn around to people who are hearing his words, and this is what he said, you are blessed. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 16 and verse 17. What he says is, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears that they hear, in verse 17, for verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men would have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. They would have given their hand just the privilege. They knew in part and they spoke in part, and now the fullness through Christ and the Spirit anointing the Word comes, and God, the Lord Jesus Christ, God, God sent Jesus Christ our Lord, and they wouldn't listen to Him. That's so sad. This does not come by your understanding, by a degree. I love catechism, I love Bible Institute, I love all of the training, but this is caught rather than thought. I know it's nice to bring them to the altar and say, repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I don't know what he's repenting. He never repented. There's not a tear in his eyes. He's having bubblegum. Um, what else you want me to say? I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. Then you have this instant nirvana, which is deep speaking. The man says, can you repeat after me? Ayayuaya. And the man says, ayayuaya. Say, ayayaya. Hey, you're spoken in tongues. You're filled with all this. Excuse me? What is so important is Jesus asked, use your thinking cap. Who do men say that I am? And they said, you are one of the prophets. You are John the Baptist. You are this, you are that, you are that, you are that. That is thinking, their soul, their wisdom, their intelligence, their mind. Now, Jesus is asking you a very relevant question. Who do you say, you, say that I am? And Peter said, the most important classic confession. You are Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus made this reference, and very important, and what he says in chapter 16 of Matthew and verse 17 Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it. It's not your Hebrew culture or your white culture or your brown culture or your black culture. It is not your degree, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed. You got it down because the Father through the Holy Spirit has revealed. And you said... It is like Eureka moment. It's a Salah moment. It is like a revelation. Rema. You are the son of the living God. It cannot be taught. It has to be caught. And right away, you know in your innermost being, 
what has happened so important. You know, I have just a few more minutes. I'll just close with this, maybe next Sunday. It's important that we evaluate everything and we exercise our mind in the soul. We exercise our seeing, our hearing, our touching and smelling. All of this is important. But in the second level, you have to train and exercise your soul, especially young people who are going to schools and colleges. Exercise. Know what you are, what you want to be. These are all part of what God has given to you. Read the book of Judges. But when you come to the Songs of Solomon, it is in the inner court, the most holy place. It is what is love. Love, I mean, is love God with all your heart and love your fellow men from your heart. That, in a sense, is sum and substance of all the laws. But I want you to realize the most important thing is to exercise the spiritual senses. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in you, but you need to be full of the Holy Spirit, and you need to exercise to open your ears. Hear what the Spirit says, never contradicts the Word, and see what the Spirit shows. Touch with a touch. God has touched me. But you know what? There was no one around the room. There was no drums. There was no screaming. There was no shutting. But I know. I feel the touch of God. I'm healed. Many people think in the midst of multitudes, healings takes place. Good. But when you're walking and you're all alone, you're so depressed, suddenly your dumbs and your wilderness and your deserts and everything that you call the worst place in your life becomes the best place because that has transformed Heaven came down and glory filled your soul. Exercise the senses. Get to know God. Love Him. And while we do everything from the outer court, go into the inner court. Think and thank Him for what He's done for you. Thinking is important. Mind is important. But go deeper and worship comes from your spirit. They that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and the word of God, the truth. Bless your people, Father. Bless your people, Father, that we would be able to exercise the senses in the physical, in the soul, oh, and much more in the spirit. We need that more than ever before. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Build the temple of God even the temple that you talk about our body, deep in our heart, that we would have communion with you and speak to you and hear you and love you, deep in the recesses of our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.